Aloha, and welcome to the Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph will continue his message entitled Mature and Full Grown. This is part two. And now in the book of Ephesians chapter four, here's Pastor Ralph. Verses 12 and 13. These verses are crucial. If we don't get what's in these two verses, uh, we really lose out as a church. We will shrivel and die. And if we do get it, then we have every opportunity to be a force in our community and in the world that impacts the community and indeed does what we're describing in the front cover of our bulletin, win the world to Christ. We are in a cosmic conflict. And as, as we look at this, there's, there's need for us to, to just understand who we are in Christ. And that's what this is all about today, is understanding who we are in Christ. And so we set this up a few weeks ago so that Carl would be in a position to actually teach on these scriptures last week because I came home and he kind of stoked my fire. And, and, and so I'm going to go back over part of what he went over last week. If you remember last week, he read verse 11, which names all of these different leaders in the church, different types or classifications of leadership. And then verse 12, where we're starting, says, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church. The responsibility of leaders in a church, in this church, is to equip God's people, which is you, to build up his church, which means to strengthen it, and then to do his work. Churches that put the pastors on the field and the players in the grandstands watching our churches ultimately that lose. And you can do it in two ways. You can do it in terribly negative ways, and, and we've never had any hint of this in the life of our church. But I, I talk to so many pastors around the world, and, and they struggle with a church council that gets down on the pastor and wants the pastor to do everything. But the churches also that will elevate the pastors and a ministry team, and make them somehow high and holy and walking about six inches off the ground and have this great awe for these people as leaders, those churches ultimately, they may grow for a while, but they cave in on themselves. The church that puts the coaches on the field fails. The church that puts the players on the field succeeds. And so God has called us as leaders to equip you and in terms of ministry, and ministry takes many, many, many different forms. It's, it, it, it takes the form of little kids handing out chocolate on the train in Japan. It takes the form of, of the, the, the children's church workers that are teaching the children how to go out and do ministry in the community. Ministry takes the form of you coming down and helping decorate the Kanye police station. Ministry takes the form of those J groups that are growing on that backboard, little groups of two and three people getting together once a week to, to, to honor the Lord and to pray for each other and to invite others into their midst. Ministry takes the, 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 the role of the people that are standing out there greeting on Sunday mornings. It takes all kinds of roles, and all of us are called to somehow be in ministry. And the job is to build up the church so we're stronger, we're smarter, we know what we're doing, and then to do his work 
and, and, and his work is what the Lord reveals to you and, and taps you on the shoulder and says, this is what I want from you. Going on here, it says that we're to do this until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord. That's the goal, that we would become mature and full-grown in the Lord and that we would measure up to the full stature of Christ. Now, when I read this part about um, faith and knowledge, unity in faith and knowledge, I, I get a little confused. I, I read the text carefully, and I wonder, why didn't he say knowledge and faith? Because Paul is a knowledge guy. If you, if you read the, the epistles of the New Testament, you realize he's a philosopher. You read through the book of Acts, and you see the way he debates with people. He's a, he's a, he's a head trip guy. He, he's a knowledge guy. But he always puts faith in front of knowledge. And I think it's because faith is more important than knowledge. What happens is I gain enough knowledge about the Lord that I start to go, I think I believe this. And what happens? Faith is triggered. Then I begin to grow in my faith. And, and, and faith is really the, 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 this is the playing field. This is where everything happens. Is my confidence in the Lord begins to grow and then after that happens, usually is when I need a lot of knowledge. I need to know why this is true, these things that I believe. And, and you know, I used to try to argue people into becoming Christians. And, and I found out I'm a pretty good arguer. I could argue somebody into a hole in the ground and they still wouldn't accept the Lord. It was useless. But you pray for somebody who's sick and they get well. And all of a sudden they go, oh, tell me more. And so that's why I think we need to, to, to kind of lead in prayer as, as, we're, as we're moving forward. See, faith is, 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 is believing in things that we can't see, but that God has reported to us in the Scripture. And it's when we step out and go, I can do nothing here, but God could do something. Let's ask him to do it. And my responsibility ends right there. I'm not called to answer the prayer. I'm not called to be holier than somebody else, so I'm somehow privileged to pray the prayer. I'm just called to pray for people. And when you pray for people, God does stuff. Does that make sense? And if we don't pray for people, God doesn't do the stuff. And, and so ministry uh, is, is basically stepping out in faith and doing the thing that seems like the logical thing to do. It may be that you're, you're, you're seeing the homeless person and you, there's something in the back of your head says, go give them $5. It may be that the person across the street, their, their spouse runs off with somebody else and, and the Lord tells you, go bake them a cake. I, I know several people who have that cake baking ministry and and somebody dies or something, and they're over there with cake, or they're over there with cookies, and, it, and just an opportunity for the Lord, Lord's love to come through. But particularly, I think, as people are in need that we pray for them, we see the power of the Lord. It says, as we come to unity in faith and knowledge of God's Son, as we, as we step out in faith, pray for each other, it draws us together in unity. We learn to have unity over knowledge. Uh, every one of us is going to disagree. But there comes to this place of, I, I don't quite agree with everything you believe, but I love you anyway, and I'm going to have unity with you. And we come to a place of being mature and full-grown. When I think of a team that's mature and full-grown, I think of a team that puts points on the scoreboard. When I think of a plant that's mature and full-grown, I think of a plant that's bearing seeds that cause it to reproduce itself. 
When I think of a child that's mature and full grown, I think of a child that's coming through puberty and has now got the ability to reproduce themselves. And that's when life gets real scary for parents. But the ability to, to, to reproduce equates itself in nature with the ability uh, to be called mature and full grown. And as we're mature and full grown, it calls us to measure up to the full stature of Christ. And when you talk about measuring up to the full stature of Christ, I think you could think about being mature and measuring up to Christ would mean I got to go out and win a whole lot of people to the Lord. Well, there are some of us that are evangelists, and that's a natural thing for us to do. And my prayer is that every one of you, before you die or you go to heaven, in whatever way, would lead a couple of people to the Lord in your life. But there's some people that'll lead a couple of people to the Lord a month in their life. I don't think seeing reproduction of the things of God and, and being mature means that we always are bringing people to the Lord. I think it means we're always doing what would Jesus do in whatever situation we're in. My wife and I were in, in Washington on a trip and... Um, we had a, a, a great vacation. We, we went to a place called Anacortes, Washington. It's the one place in, in, the, in Puget Sound where the sun shines. And, uh, it was, and, and it's inexpensive, great place to go on vacation. And we were at this restaurant one night and we met this young man and he actually may be listening to this because uh, he, we gave him our card and the website and what have you. And he was, he was a great waiter. But he just didn't look like he had to be a waiter. You know, he looked like he, he, you know, didn't fit in the thing. So we asked him, how'd you get here? You know, and he, he wasn't from there. How long did you live here? And all this. And, and he told us this story that on September the 11th, 2001, he was in a subway underneath the Hudson River. And the train stopped. And the lights went out. And then the lights came back on. And he's sitting there wondering what's going on, like everybody else would normally. And his girlfriend, who's above ground, calls him on the cell phone and tells him what has just happened to the World Trade Center towers. And he's in this terrible dilemma that he cannot tell anybody what happened because he doesn't want to panic the train. But he knows it, and he's having to, to hold it all inside. And he went into a panic attack and passed out. People are sprinkling water in his face, trying to minister to him, all worried about him. All the people on the train suddenly become a little community centered around him. They're focusing all this care on him, and he's thinking, these people may have lost their spouse, and I can't even tell them. And he goes through this terrible traumatic experience. Uh, comes, they, they finally, they keep telling them there's another train stalled on the track in front of you. Finally, they move them to to where they need to go to the station and, and they get out and everybody finds out what's going on and pandemonium breaks out. He said that day he decided that he needed to, to investigate the spiritual side of the universe. He was an engineer, sound engineer, I mean a, a mixer, a big bucks guy. He was making $300 an hour working at Sony. This guy is in his late 20s. And he said he left New York and he has kind of entered into the New Age movement. And he's a masseuse. Um, he's into acupuncture. He's into laying hands on people's auras and massaging their auras. Now, I have a hard time believing most of what he believes. And I know Christians who want to get in the attack mode when they meet somebody like that. But I personally think the New Age movement is a wonderful thing. 
because I grew up in the age of secularism. I grew up when I was in, in, in high school, my first year of high school, Time Magazine comes out with a cover, got the regular red band, all solid black, big red letters that say, God is dead. And we lived under that for so long. And you, you used to have to argue and argue and argue to get somebody to even acknowledge the fact that the spirit world existed. Now you've got people who may have some very mistaken ideas about the spirit world, but they know it's real. And it's very easy to bridge to them to share the gospel with them if you, if you choose not to get into arguments. And so he's telling us all these things and how wonderful they are. And so we start saying, you know, that's really real. And, and the spirit world is, is terribly important. And we need to take care of our spiritual man. And, and so we start talking to him and tell him that we're pastors and, and start telling him about t times that God has answered prayer. In fact, we told about you praying for her. And, 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 and the healing that took place. And, and, and he's just wide open to the whole thing. And my wife mentioned that I go to Japan a bunch with missions and stuff. And, and he goes, Japan, that's where I want to live. I, I, and I go, I know a whole bunch of people in Japan I can introduce you to. They're all Christians. And I start telling him about our churches there. And, and he's all excited. And I, I give him some, uh, some stuff on the internet where he could go look for a, a job that will move you into Japan. And then he could do his other thing. And, and I hooked him up with our church's website. And, and then my wife, which, who is the quick one to do this, just reaches out and takes his hand and says, can I pray for you that God will bless you in your future? And she starts to pray for him. And, and he had to go and settle bills and whatever he's doing. And we're walking out of the restaurant. And, and, he, and he turns to us and he goes, just, just real touched in his heart. And he says, I, I, I'll pray for you guys too. I want you to know I'll pray for you guys too. Now, did we lead him to the Lord? No. But we moved him a half inch closer. That's ministry. Is this good? Here's a couple of other ideas about ministry. Um, last year, I remember I had my little, whatever I had, anxiety attack and kind of flipped out. And I would just worry about everything. And my neighbor and I had agreed that we were going to pull out our 92-foot oleander hedge that had been in the ground for 30 years and put in a vinyl fence between us. And the hedge happened to be on my side of the property line. And I'm freaking out about who do I hire? How do you do this? What do you do? The men's ministry said, we have a part of, of our ministry. We go out and, and they have. They'll, they'll, they've several times gone to a widow whose husband was real sick before he died and the house was in huge disrepair. And they've gone in and painted up, cleaned up, put in plumbing, repaired rotten floors, done all kinds of things just as a ministry of, of, of the men's team. They just go out and do this kind of stuff. Recently, they re-roofed somebody's house. And so they tell me, we'll come over at 9 o'clock or at 8 o'clock in the morning and we'll have that hedge out by noon. And uh, me, I'm still in this kind of everything worries me deal. And they don't show up at any 8 o'clock. They don't get there till after 9. And I'm going, oh, no. They're, you know, by 1 o'clock, they're going to have a third of the hedge out. They're going to go home tired. And then I'm going to be stuck. I don't know what to do. And uh, they showed up after 9. By 11, they not only had the hedge entirely out of the ground, they'd gone out and bought a load of dirt and come in and filled the thing back in. That's ministry. Here's another idea of ministry. Um, this will be a kick to you, and I'll end with this. Um, there's, a, there's a man in our church named Rob Moore. 
at a number of years ago, left us and, and went into Hawaii Kai and planted a church. Now, he's a building contractor and very successful, does high-end residential, uh, you know, builds houses. And um, the Lord blessed him really wonderfully. He, he bought a house that had a, a water leaking problem that messed up the foundation and caused a huge crack in the, in the house. And the people who were selling the house and the information they got said that the, that the mountain is moving and the house, half of it's going down the hill. He looked at it and said, no, 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 you got this roof leak and it's just undermined your foundation. And he bought this house for a song and it turned out he was right. And so he scored. And so they're having church this morning in this wonderful house in Hawailoa Ridge. And uh, but they've always done this other deal where they, they run coffee shops. It's kind of a hobby business for his wife. And they've always done it, not as Christian coffee shops, but as Christians who run a coffee shop. And a ministry takes place there. And you won't go there and find Christian magazines. You won't hear Christian music. You won't hear little, see little Jesus stickers on the wall. But it's obvious that the Lord is the center of the thing. So they've opened up a new store called Common Grounds in the Hawaii Kai Shopping Center, uh, the one by City Mill and, and Costco. And, and uh, it's so beautiful that the man who holds the Starbucks franchise license for all of Hawaii visited their store and said, I think I need you guys to come and give me some tips about how to redecorate because what I'm getting out of Starbucks is nothing like this. And it's true. I saw the place. It's phenomenal. But as they open up the store, they, the, they just let people know that they're Christians. That's all. And people will come and just talk to them. You know, it's like, it's like bartenders that are Christians are in a great spot to do a lot of ministry as people come and pour out their guts to you. And so this has happened, and, and just as it's ever appropriate, they pray with people, and they, and they, and they don't push Jesus down their throat. They, they, just, they just pray and whatever, and if the, people keep asking more questions, and they've led a number of people to the Lord through this place. And, and, and it's developed, if, if you've been noticing, around town, outdoor cafes, any night of the week, there's going to be three or four people sitting around reading a Bible together, he says now we got 18 different little study groups of one kind, journaling groups, prayer groups, whatever, happening in this thing. But it's entirely just, it's just a business. And, and, and they've, they've just opened it up. Well, one lady comes down there and she likes to play, you'll laugh at this, Scrabble. And so she, she's a Christian and she, she, she sets up the Scrabble board, her and her friend, they start playing Scrabble. Pretty soon there's other people and they, and they, and they got the thing growing and this little Scrabble group has grown. Well, there's a woman in Vancouver, British Columbia that sees herself as a member of our congregation. She comes to our leadership things every year and she'll come here two or three times a year. Her husband works for the airline, so she gets here. And she knows them and she's been involved with what they're doing and she, she hears the story of the Scrabble deal. So she decides, I mean, Vancouver is a great place for Starbucks because it rains so much, right? And so she shows up at Starbucks. This is a Christian-run coffee shop in Hawaii Kai, Starbucks is just Starbucks in Vancouver. But she goes to Starbucks and she pops out a Scrabble board. And she's got nobody else in co-conspiracy with her. So she just puts the board out and plays both sides. <laughs> Hi, Susan, I know you're listening to this. And she plays both sides of the thing and pretty soon somebody gets involved. What in the world are you doing? And they sit down and they start to play with her. 
You know, I know a friend that used to go to a, a real exclusive coffee shop in Southern California, and he was a pastor. He was bivocational. And, but he would sit there and get all his, his Bible out and his study stuff and write his sermon in, in, in this coffee shop every week. And people would always come to him and, and go, is that a Bible? And he'd go, yes. And they'd, and they'd go, are you a Christian? And he'd go, yes. And they'd sit down and either want to argue with him or, or sit down and start to pour out their heart to him. And it's just, people are hungry everywhere and we're scared. And so this lady starts this little scrabble deal and, and pretty soon it's grown. Now they got two Scrabble boards and there, there's eight to ten people that are doing the Scrabble thing every Thursday night in this coffee shop. And the ones that are Christians have made this rule. We will not mention the Bible and we will not mention our church or our pastor. But as people are, 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 are coming and sharing what's going on in their life and whatever, they're doing things like, you know, I read something somewhere that fits with that and then they'll share scripture. Or I heard something last weekend that would be an answer to that, and they'll share what their pastor had said. And as, as they're, they're, they're kind of doing this undercover missionary thing, what's happening is people are going, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah. And, and, and then they're just, it, the one bridge leads to another, and, and they're just reaching out. And so Scrabble can be a ministry if you allow it to. Now, what's my point? Every one of us is different from every other one of us. We're unique people. God has said that we're the body of Christ and that each member is different from the other member. Each member has a different role to play in the world than the other members. Does that make sense to you? You know, I've talked to a bunch of people in politics lately who are very concerned about the fact that, that Hawaii tended to vote in all those constitutional amendments uh, very much strongly in favor of family values. At the same time, they pushed everybody in the legislature but two people who have stood for family values out in this last election. And so they're sitting there figuring out what can we do to, to get things out so that, that we change our community. To them, that's ministry. Who are you? Where has God placed you? How do you fit? What do you like to do? See, ministry isn't some high and holy thing. Ministry is doing what Jesus would do in whatever environment you're in at whatever time that you're in that environment. Does that make sense? You know, there's, there's a bunch of our kids that have gotten together. There's a, there's a, a guy that was on the world surfing tour uh, that found the Lord a few months ago here. And, and then he passed away just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, of a fast-moving cancer. And, and, he, and it looked like he was doing well, and then boom, he went in reverse, and, and he's gone. And, and the whole surfing community is upset about this. I mean, to the point of Surfer Magazine is upset about this. And yesterday, they had a service in the North Shore, and our pastor from, I, from Aikahi Park uh, went out and led it, and, and they had the top 42 surfers in the world, the, 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 the pro tourists here for three large events, and they were all there paddle out and scatter the ashes, and, and Steve got a chance to do a funeral. They're going to do another one here in Kailua this week. My son is going to do that. And then this Wednesday night, our youth band, on our, 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 it's our 10 o'clock worship band, actually. It's our Saturday, Sunday night band. They're going to go out. You know these garage parties that they do in Kailua all the time where hundreds of kids show up and then the cops come and break it up? They're going to do one of those. And... Um, they're, they're just going to go out and do a worship night in honor of this guy, Jason. Our kids have just produced a CD. 
It's, it's being professionally mastered and printed out in the mail. They're praying like crazy that we get it out because it's a worship thing. We're just going to give it to every kid that shows up. Uh, they're expecting several hundred kids. If this is a kind of a, in the past, it's been a surf party house. So the neighbors are sort of used to it. But now they found the Lord. The guys are going around talking to all the neighbors and, and sort of explaining what they're going to do, inviting the neighbors to come. Uh, they're going to do this several hundred person event this week. I told them, I'm praying the cops come and raid you. Then it'll be official. <laughs> it's ministry. It's ministry. We got this high school have gone for this J groups thing big time. They're praying and they're seeing some phenomenal things. They've dealt with demonic issues in people's lives. People have had these monstrous turnarounds. It's ministry. And so we just look at it wherever it comes. But here's the deal. My job is to be a coach. Your job is to be a player. And if we get that down, then we got it. And we're going to go places. 